The following broadcast is released under a Creative Commons license. I believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. I believe He lived and died, and that He rose again. I believe and trust in Him. Ascended into hell Christ our living head Will one day come again To judge the living and the dead I believe and trust in Him I will trust in my Redeemer Sing of His love that lasts forever Know His hope and sure salvation I will trust in Him Oh, the world falls around me I rest and know that He has found me Christ, the rock, is my foundation Welcome all to Pastor Yeshua. You've been listening to Creed by Richard Jensen from his album, Order of Service. By way of introduction, Pastor is an acrostic which stands for Preaching All Salvation Through One Redeemer. Our Redeemer, Yeshua, Jesus, is the Hebrew name for the Lord. It means Yahweh, the Lord, is salvation. Translated from Hebrew into the Greek language, the name Yeshua becomes Iesus. The English transliteration for Jesus is Jesus. This program deals with apologetics, questions on and about God, the Bible, and the Christian faith. I take questions and seek by scripture to give answers and encouragement for everyone, including the tough-minded living in today's skeptical society. And now, let's join Pastor Yeshua. Welcome to Pastor Yeshua. In the first episode, we continued our ongoing study of types and shadows with the study of the ancient Jewish wedding. In doing so, we recognize the reality that God's truths are not limited to Scripture. Scripture, like all of God's revelation, is woven into the fabric of every aspect of God's creation. One of the most dynamic and profound actions God ordained was the creation and implementation of the union between Adam, i.e. a man, and Eve, i.e. a woman. The creation ordinance of marriage was, and still is, one of the greatest types and shadows which began in the garden and ends with the substance, Jesus Christ, and his elect bride, the church. Previously, we learned the various types, shadows, and substance of the ancient Jewish wedding. You will recall that the first phase of the ancient Jewish wedding is the seeking and selection of the bride, called the Shadukin. After the selection was made, the next step was to make a proposal and to establish a purchase price for the bride, called the Mohar. 
The mahar was given in exchange for the father of the bride and the bridegroom's father or his servant's written agreement called the ketubah. Once the bride gave her consent, the mahar was paid. The parties would drink a glass of wine called the kadush. After the ketubah was signed, the bridegroom, or more often his servant, would give the bride special gifts. Finally, the mikvah, which is a ritual immersion of the bride and the groom separately into water to cleanse them, is undertaken around the same time as the ketubah. With this in mind, let us continue where we left off in our study. Within the type of the ancient Jewish wedding, after the mahar is paid, the ketubah is signed, the gifts are given, and the mikvah is observed. The groom separates from the bride. The two live separately for up to two years. During this time, the groom or his servant return to the groom's father's house. During this time, the groom and his father make careful preparations to construct a suitable home where the bride and groom will live together. In the ancient Jewish wedding tradition, before the groom or his servant leave the bride, the groom or his servant deliver a prepared speech. Within the speech, there is traditionally a statement given by the groom to the bride which takes the form of a promise. The promise from the groom to the bride goes as follows, quote, I must leave you now. I am going to my father's house to prepare a place for you, but I will return for you and take you with me that you also may be with me, unquote. Perhaps, as it should, this statement will sound familiar. Moving from the type to the substance, you will recall that after Jesus' resurrection and prior to his ascension, Jesus showed himself to his disciples. Jesus empowered his followers with the Holy Spirit as a gift to comfort them. Jesus knew he would be ascending to the Father and leaving his followers. Jesus also knew he would be returning. Jesus wanted all who follow him to know of and look for his return. So that all men might know and have hope, Jesus gave this promise in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Quote, Do not let your hearts be distressed. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many chambers. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to make a place ready for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and catch you up to be with me, that you also may be where I am." Unquote. Coincidence? I think not. Jesus knew the type of the ancient Jewish wedding because he authored the type. Jesus knew of the substance because he was the substance. There was and is no accident in creating and ordaining the institute of marriage. God purposely designed the ordinance of marriage, and in particular the ancient Jewish wedding, so that as a type we might in part comprehend the fullness and glory which is the substance, Christ, and his marriage union to his bride, the church. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 15, Jesus asked and warned his believers with the following question, quote, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? 
But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and they will fast, unquote. This, then, is the present promise with which all we who are his believers, i.e. the bride, wait patiently with hope and joy for the bridegroom's return for us, his bride. We have been bought with a price, and we are delivered from sin. We have Jesus' promise of assurance, a contract signed by his blood, and given power by his authority. By faith, we drink the wine of communion in recognition and remembrance of his crucifixion, death, and resurrection. We by faith also receive the gift of his Holy Spirit, and we submit and conform ourselves to him by the rite of baptism. Baptism becomes the outward manifestation of cleansing and purification which has already taken place by the inward act of faith in his cleansing blood. At this stage of the ancient Jewish wedding, the groom, as was stated before, leaves the bride for as much as two years. The groom returns to his father's home, where with the help of his father he prepares a suitable wedding chamber for his bride and himself. While the groom prepares their future home, the bride keeps herself prepared for her beloved's return. Within the scheme of the Jewish wedding, the father oversees and commits the riches of his estate to finance the completion of his son's wedding and future happiness. The groom dedicates and devotes his attention to the construction and preparation of every detail of the home and the wedding per se. When the father feels the time is right, it is he, and only he who knows and declares that the time has come when all is finished and the groom is given leave to return for his bride. In this case, it is not the father, nor a servant, but the groom himself who at long last, and without warning, returns for his bride in waiting. Since the bride does not know what day or what hour the groom will appear, she must remain faithful, steadfast, diligent, and ready at any moment to leave with her beloved. According to Jewish wedding tradition, while the bridegroom prepares a room in his father's house, the bride cleans and prepares her wedding dress, making it spotless and beautiful for her wedding. This is a time of waiting, preparation, and anticipation for the bride. Jesus, i.e. the groom himself, gives warning to his bride regarding vigilance and readiness in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Quote, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten undefiled maidens who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were insightful. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in their jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became sleepy and fell asleep. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. 
And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh." Unquote. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 reminds us also of readiness. Quote, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Unquote. As his bride today, the necessity for faithfulness is greater than ever. As time progresses and the groom tarries late into the night, the temptation arises stronger each day and gives rise to doubt. The doubts and temptations which confront us can easily lead us to give up watching, waiting, and being prepared. Our faith can waver and fail if we are not diligent to watch, wait, and pray. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 puts it this way, quote, Scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Unquote. Instead, the bride is encouraged, fed, and sustained by God's word. Romans chapter thirteen, eleven through fourteen say, quote, And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, nor in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof." Unquote. Eventually, anywhere between one and two years later, at the father's direction, the father of the groom will announce that the preparations for the bridal chamber are complete. At that time, the father will send his son to go and get his bride and bring her home. Neither the bride, nor the groom, nor the servant knows when this time will be. Only the father knows when this day will be. This type is substantiated in numerous passages, including the following. Matthew chapter 24, verse 27 says, quote, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be, unquote. Also, Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 through 44, quote, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. 
For as in the days of that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch, therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh." Unquote. Matthew chapter 25 verse 13 Quote, watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Unquote. Mark chapter 13, verse 32. Quote, but of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Unquote. Acts chapter 1, verse 7. Quote, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Unquote. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 1 through 6. Quote, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety... Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober." Unquote. Lastly, Revelation chapter 3, verse 3, quote, Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If, therefore, you shall not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you shall not know what hour I will come upon you, unquote. At the father's command, the groom would depart from his father's house. By custom, the bridegroom usually came for his bride at night, near the midnight hour. Accompanied by helpers who played music, danced, and rejoiced, the bridegroom would return to the bride with a loud shout and with the sounding of the shofar, i.e. ram's horn. All present would shower them with wheat kernels and grains of barley. The bridegroom would then ceremonially abduct her I steal her away and take her suddenly to his father's house. The bride and groom would gather together under a covering called the hoopah. The hoopah is a square white cloth supported by four poles, one on each corner of the cloth. The bride and groom would stand underneath the covering of the hoopah. At this stage of the Jewish wedding, there are several verses which bear observation. For example, Joel chapter 2, verse 16, quote, Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breasts. 
Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber, and the bride out of her closet, unquote. Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 31, quote, Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. At that time, the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds and from one end of the heavens to the other, unquote. Matthew chapter 25, verse 6, quote, And at the midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him, unquote. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52, quote, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed, unquote. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, quote, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord, unquote. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, quote, Now, as to the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. Unquote. The obvious substance is that Jesus is now preparing each believer a place in heaven where we will each spend eternity in his glory and joy. Jesus awaits that time known only to the Father when he will return for his elect, i.e. the church, his bride. The bride busies herself washing her wedding dress, i.e. robes, making it clean, purified, and sanctified, washing it white by faith through Jesus' shed blood and imputed righteousness via the process of sanctification. The bride readies herself, remaining vigilant, waiting for the imminent return of her groom, i.e. Jesus Christ. Without warning, with a shout and the sound of a trumpet, the shofar, i.e. the ram's horn, in the twinkling of an eye, the groom, Jesus, returns and he catches his bride away, i.e. raptures her, to himself. The bride joins her groom in the clouds, i.e. the hoopah, from the four corners of the earth, symbolized by the four poles of the hoopah. At this point, the bride and groom are together where they remain together forever. The fact that by tradition the groom returns suddenly and without warning other than the trump demonstrates the theological reality of the doctrine of imminence. The time of Jesus' return for the church, the rapture, is sudden and is known only to the Father. Again, by tradition, the bride and groom remain sequestered together after their initial union in the bridal chamber, i.e. the hoopah, for seven days. At the end of the seven days, the best friend of the groom stands at the outside of the door, leading to the bridal chamber to act as a witness. At a point where the groom is ready, he knocks on the inside of the bridal chamber door to signal his return. This aspect of Christ's return and of the coming marriage feast is featured in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, 
Quote, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him, and he with me. Unquote. Those guests who remain outside await the bride and groom with eagerness to join the bride and groom for their marriage feast. Now, if the type of the groom coming suddenly for his bride represents the rapture of the church, then certainly we cannot miss the type of the seven years as being synonymous with the last seven years of Daniel's 70 weeks. During this seven years, the bride, i.e. the church, remains safe from God's wrath poured out on earth against those who rejected Christ and refused His grace. The type of this ancient Jewish wedding marriage perfectly supports the basic concept of a pre-tribulation rapture of God's elect. At the conclusion of the seven years, the groom, Christ, and his bride return from the clouds, i.e. the hoopah, to the view of all who remain outside. Those guests who remain outside who are greeted by Jesus and his bride upon their return represent the 144,000 and any and all who have come to faith during the Great Tribulation. The seven days within the bridal chamber also parallels the time between the Feast of the Trumpets and the Day of Atonement. By way of reminder, the Feast of Trumpets and the Day of Atonement are both events detailed in the observance of Rosh Hoshana, which falls within the Hebrew month of Tishri. Tishri usually falls within the month of September or October. During Rosh Hoshana, the ram's horn, i.e. the shofar, would be blown in different ways to signal different events, including the coronation of the king, repentance, awakening of the soul, and so forth. On the Day of Atonement, it is understood that the Messiah will judge all nations and all peoples. He will divide the sheep from the goats. Those whose names are found to be in the Lamb's Book of Life will find eternal life. Those whose names are not found will be cast into outer darkness for all eternity. The Day of Atonement was also a time when the high priest took the blood of the slain goat into the Holy of Holies and sprinkled it upon the mercy seat. The high priest would then place his hands upon the horns of another living goat and confess the sins of the people. The living goat would be driven into the uninhabited wilderness to go free. The two events of the Day of Atonement are ultimately intertwined. Those who find their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life are able to do so by the virtue of Jesus' shed blood being sprinkled upon our hearts by grace through faith. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins. Jesus became the willing, final, and perfect sacrifice for our sins so that His blood and death would be a covering for our sins. While he died, we are set free from death and from the bondage of sin to new life. Within the type and shadow of the ancient Jewish wedding, the groom and his bride, having finished the marriage supper, go on to enjoy the happiness and joy of their union in marriage until they die. Here, however, is where the analogy ends. Whereas the groom and the bride die at some point in the type, In the substance, the groom, i.e. Jesus Christ, and his bride, i.e. the church, live forever. 
The conclusion of the story is nowhere told more eloquently and more profoundly than Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Quote, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away." As we conclude, for the present, the substance of the ancient Jewish wedding continues to play itself out on earth. The Father continues to commission His servant, the Holy Spirit, to be present everywhere to bring an offer and proposal to all mankind for marriage to His only Son, Jesus. The servant does not come empty-handed. Rather, the servant comes with the good news that Jesus has paid the price for the bride completely with the greatest testimony of the groom's love possible, his very life. The contract which guarantees life more abundantly now, as well as eternal life in the fullness of his presence with joy forevermore, sits waiting patiently for each person to accept it by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Many have already accepted. Many more are yet to follow. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Yet at the same time, God is not slack regarding his promises. In this case, the promise from Jesus is that having purchased those who are his church, he has left to prepare a place in his father's house for those who have, and who will accept his offer and have become his bride. Like any bride, we, his bride, the church, wait in anticipation with joy and eagerness, knowing that at any moment, at any time, our Lord, our Savior, our God and King, the Bridegroom, Jesus, will return to receive all those who love his appearing unto himself. While there is time... The question for each is, have I said yes to his proposal? Do I have a relationship with him? Do I know him? Will I hear, depart from me, I never knew you? Or will I hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of thy Lord? Father, I pray that if we have not done so already, that as many as need to will by your love and grace, accept your offer and gift to receive forgiveness of sin through faith in Jesus. I pray that all might enter and abide in an ever-deepening relationship with Jesus. Having entered into that relationship, I pray that we would continue steadfast with confidence, knowing that what he has begun, he will finish. Finally, I pray that we would preserve and endure, waiting for his return and for a reward of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, if you have any questions on God, the Bible, or the Christian faith, I would encourage you to send me an email at pastor underscore Yeshua at yahoo.com. That's P-A-S-T-O-R underscore Y-E-S-H-U-A at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. It's not.